News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, got got through the heat. We made got it. Through the heat. Barely. Yep. <laughs> we. So this, uh, remember in the spring, Aaron, and and we talked about a little about this before on air. Remember yes. in the spring, we kept telling people to acclimatize their plants by, you know, uh, putting outside during the day, but bringing in at night because you know the frost cools the down. House, right? Yep. Cools down. Or they also well, this year, people I think were were putting their plants in at night and putting no putting yeah putting the plants inside at night yeah. and putting them out well it was just so, the total way, opposite yeah. you know like you don't opposite, want them to opposite, be in yes. the in the 40 in degree the heat, heat. <laughs> yeah. so everybody's everybody's pulling their their plants into the shade oh yeah <laughs> i definitely and, my uh my little balcony setup got uh, a little bit of a, a reorganization this week to <laughs> keep them out of the direct sunlight <laughs> Yeah, the the the, big, the biggest thing I, I find, Aaron, with with uh, with the the plants, especially if you have vegetables in the pots, mm-hmm. is two things that what I found the people were doing, and just by talking to them, and because they're having a, some issues with the plants, and um, they were uh, they were watering the plants so heavy in the morning yeah. that they were actually wet, figuring that they could make it to the end of the day or make it to the next day. And then, of course, they'd by the time they they water them again, then they're starting to get dry, especially at the top end of the pot. And then they watered heavy again. So then, wet, dry, wet, dry, especially for vegetables like tomatoes and peppers, is just it's you're going to get blossom you get blossom end rot. So you mm-hmm. start getting that black blotch at the bottom of the vegetable, and then it doesn't look very appetizing to eat no. anymore. <laughs> so. Uh, so that's what you have to be careful about when you're watering is that just be consistent. Stick your finger into the soil and water. Don't water on a schedule. Don't water so many liters or people ask me, how much do I put, how much water, when, how often? And I say, stick your finger. Stick your, the your plant index will let finger. you know. Stick your index finger in as far as you can. And uh, and then if the top if the top as far as you can stick that finger in, which is about two inches, right? Yeah. And uh, inch and a half to two inches. And if, if it feels dry, uh, watered. If it feels any moisture at all, don't water it. And you can do that both in the soil in the garden, and or I always tell in the garden. Sometimes you can't stick your finger in the real topsoil. Yeah. So just have that piece of rebar, a three-eighths piece of rebar. It works really awesome because it has little ribs on the side. It's a cheap, it's a cheap moisture meter. Because when you stick <laughs> it'll it bring up ground, some of the some of the dirt and some of the mud yeah. that's there, and let and you it, know what it, they need. And you can use that for your trees, you know, because you can stick it down 12 to 16 inches in the ground. You can use it for your shrubs. Stick that in around 12 inches into the ground. And you can use it in the garden, too. So just that's the way you can check because every side of the yard like, is going to be a different moisture. Um, the one side is going to be shady on the side of the fence. The other side is going to be the sun's going to be reflecting off the white fence down to the ground. It's going to be drier there. So front yard, backyard is going to be different moisture. So just actually stick your finger or stick a probe into the soil and check your moisture and that's the best way and then also Aaron with all this watering especially the containers mm-hmm. we've been leaching all the nutrients out of the soil so if you got some flowers like you know potato vine or ivy or yeah. some some petunias that are heavy feeders like they're just vigorous vegetative plants 
um, you're going to have leached all the nutrients out. So make sure that, you know, if you have some slow release fertilizer on the top, just supplement a little bit with some 20-20-20, maybe half strength or something like that. Okay. Um, supplement with them so that they can catch up to the nutrients because probably the leaves are turning a little bit yellowy looking, you know, we're seeing yeah. that. So they're getting a little chlorotic and so they just need to get caught up a bit. And the same thing uh, with your trees and shrubs. I always say, you hear me a lot of times, fertilize until May the 10th, until around July the 15th, okay? Yeah. Especially for um, for evergreens, like junipers and cedars and spruces and pines. So now you're getting close to July the 15th. So um, if you're in on a schedule of, every, of a liquid fertilizer every three weeks, so just make sure that, you know, right about now. So what is this now? The 4th, 4th 5th? Yeah. 4th of, of July, so... Um, you know, if you if you didn't need haven't fertilized for quite a while, you could fertilize once right now and then once in three weeks time, and that'd be it. So just give them you know, that extra boost, extra little boost, and uh, especially maples. Uh, you should be almost fertilize finished fertilizing maples right now because and birches, uh, just because they grow so fast, they just don't shut down in time. And uh, so then all your shrubs, you can go a little bit longer with shrubs. You can go to August the first. Okay. Um, and uh, but otherwise, yeah, you know, now it's time to feed and your lawn. We've been watering a lawn, lots keeping yeah. green. This has been so dry. Some as well. of these lawns are having a rough go, I think, especially yeah. the ones that have been in the direct sun for most of the heat. It just uh, there's yeah. a few, a uh, few, few brown patches, I think, out there. Yeah. So now that fertilizer you put down in the end of April, beginning of May, it's it's done. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So now's the time to put another application of fertilizer down right now. Anytime in the next couple weeks. And then you can do one more application of fertilizer in September again. And uh, uh, the one fertilizer, like I, everybody hears me talking about here in Saskatchewan because I'm promoting local, mm-hmm. is that groundskeeper fertilizer because it is a great fertilizer. It's made locally for our soils because uh, so it, it has sulfur in it. No other fertilizer has sulfur. They have iron and they have nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. But that sulfur is huge to, to bring the the pH down a little bit so that the plants could take up those nutrients way better. And uh, so it's made for our soils right here. And it's made right inside, just outside of Saskatoon. So uh, we're, 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 we're uh, employing people and, and uh, buying local right here in Saskatchewan. Which is just the way you want to do it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of texts starting to come in now. So uh, we'll jump to the text line. This one coming from Sarah in Kalonze. How do you control aphids on a 20-foot maple tree by a front door dropping sticky substances constantly? How do you reach the top of the tree with insecticide and what products should I use? Or do we just need to cut it down? No, just what you can do is that aphids on maples is, is kind of a... Uh, it always is an issue. So two, one thing you can do, there are a whole bunch of things you can do. One is, number one, is put some bird bass around the house. So, and put some little, um, um, also little tiny bird houses with little holes in them, you know, with a with a wren size hole. So other big birds can't get into it, like robins and all those kind of things. So put bird, bird bass around and bird houses that, that are, and you can look up what size of hole you need for to attract house wrens and uh, and little yellow birds and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the best thing to to control the population of aphids because it's unbelievable how many they eat. And I had them in my other acreage, and it just didn't you do any spraying. It was, it's, there was an, there was a balance, right? Uh, so the other thing you do is just take your garden garden hose up there and get a get a like a jet sprayer on it and just blast cold water at it. Okay. It dislodges the aphids and they don't like it. Yeah. The other one you can use is insecticidal soap. 
like uh, like andol, uh, which is canola oil, uh, it's, uh, insecticide soap and water. So you can blast that up there, and you can um, uh, so you can even use a um, for that you can use a hose end. It's called the hose end sprayer or a dial spray. Okay. It hooks onto the end of your garden hose, and it usually shoots about twenty feet up in the air. All right. So if you're higher than twenty feet, it's a little bit tougher. I mean. You can stand on top of a step ladder and get a little higher rate, mm-hmm. and uh, so. Uh, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it can it can get up there pretty good. And uh, the other one you could do is that there's there's also um, a lot of professionals around that have these boom trucks, you know, and they come yeah. in and do a good spraying of your tree, and uh, they'll use um, some some chemicals that are safe that to for your area, and uh, depending on what you want, and they can go and do that as well, and. And usually once you get a one good spring, it doesn't get rid of them completely, but it brings the numbers down, so it's not so bad. Perfect. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. If you have questions for Rick, you can give us a call or text. The number is all the same, one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text. The phone number is one 332 And Rick, we have Larry waiting for us on the line here, so we'll dive right in. Good morning, Larry. What's your question for Rick today? Good morning, both of you. I, ha- I haul water, extremely hard water, to my garden. And I was wondering if I can add 20-20-20 to the tank. I'm just using it for flooding. I don't spray it on the foliage. Yeah, absolutely. I just let this is this week. I actually added. I have a 500-gallon watering tank for watering about 100 trees, and I just put a 50-pound bag of alfalfa pellets into my tank. I let it. I let it stew for two days. And oh, is that stinky? <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it worked awesome, and, and yes, you absolutely can put the fertilizer into your tank. Uh, it'll it'll take a few times to, you know, one thing you got to watch for is that you might have to rinse, if, unless you're going to water again, uh, you know, fairly shortly, uh, it'll um, it'll start growing. You need that, that fertilizer because there'll be some left in the bottom of the tank. And if you leave it there for any length of time, it'll start growing really bad. So, uh, uh, so you just rinse out your tank if it's going to sit for a while, that's all. Can I, uh, when I do leave water in the tank, I get algae growth inside? Can I yeah, add you will. bleach or oh, anything yeah. to it? Well, you can add bleach, but then where are you going to put that bleach afterwards, right? So you have to, unless you be careful how much bleach you want to put into there, but I just rinse it. That's all you need to do is rinse it out. And then um, that, that's enough. And for me, I had to do enough watering where uh, I was able to water some other bunch of plants with two more tanks after it because it took two tanks. Uh, after that, to get everything out of the bottom of that 500-gallon tank. So, uh, but you can do it. And with strawberries, uh, do, should I be fertilizing at all? Uh, just a low nitrogen. Okay, so if you 2020-20 is probably not a good one to use for the strawberries. Uh, you'll get a lot of vegetative growth, and then and then not not so great on on the strawberries themselves. So just use a just use a, a like a, uh, what I call an organic vegetable fertilizer or even compost. Mix some, you know, work some compost into the soil, or just use an organic because you just you want all that boron, magnesium, you know, calcium, zinc, all those kind of things is what the strawberries need. They just need uh, uh, the the nitrogen part. I wouldn't go any higher than twelve 
okay? Rather than 20, I'd rather go 12. And then you want a little bit of phosphorus and a little bit of potassium, which will keep them, the potassium will help keep them healthy as well. So, um, yeah, just that, we're good. If, so if you're going to use a 20, 20, 20, if you do, that's all you have, then go half strength, okay? All right, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Larry. Okay. All right, we have Tom in Hudson Bay waiting on the line. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick today? Tom, can you hear us? Yes, I can, ma'am. Go ahead. What's your question for Rick? Uh, my question is regarding ectoban, that chemical for potato beetles or PAR-3. A neighbor of mine used that ectoban for two years, and he had really bad potato beetles. Uh, that's about three years ago now, and he hasn't had one since. Apparently, it killed them all. And I'm just wondering, is there any effect on the potato itself? Uh, won't be on the potato itself. The only thing I'd watch for is that you don't want to spray it during the flowering time because it will affect the bees. Okay, that that that'd be the critical part. So um, can you, can that, you that, still eat potato if you put it on the plant? Is my question, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's shouldn't be a problem. Uh, if you watch, if you look at the instructions, the instructions always say uh, which which crop you can put it on. And it'll always okay. say how many days and it always say how many days before harvest. Okay? Okay. And yeah. so that's always critical. Read the instructions, because the instructions will always say that on there for what 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 crops you can put it on and how many days before harvest. Yeah. And so no, that's I why I like you I like using something like ambush. Because ambush okay. uh, you can do you use up to one day before harvest. Okay. Does it, okay. Does it actually kill all the potato beetles ambush? Why well, it won't get the eggs, right? And yeah. so it'll get the it'll get the adults absolutely, and now that this okay. is, that's the one thing you got to do is you got to spray it almost in the evening when the bees have gone to sleep. Okay, okay, good enough. Then I thank okay. you, Jamie. Thanks, You're Tom. Welcome. Okay, bye bye. Bye now. All right, we have a couple of texts that we can get to before we take a quick break for news. So we'll dive right in. Uh, this one is asking about uh, tomatoes and cucumbers. What causes the tomato and cucumber leaves to curl upwards? Oh, the heat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the heat. Yeah, you'll see you'll see them turning upwards with extreme heat. So, um, yeah, that that's number one. And also number one is is too wet also will make them curl up. Okay. okay. Too much moisture. So there's two things that we'll do. So just, just watch that. And uh, so there again, I always tell people, stick your finger into the soil. Just don't water because I got to water every day or every second day or, you know, twice a day. Uh, go by how you can how much moisture is in the soil, and the plants will be way better that way than just going on there and turning on your sprinklers and just soaking, soaking because you want to keep them wet to the next day. Okay, um, I'll say that over and over again because that's it's just <laughs> and it's, it's a just tough what, one in this heat. You know, you want to protect the yeah. plants, but you just got to be careful about it. You got you got to be careful. So yeah, curling up is either too much heat or too much water. All right. Uh, this one coming from Kim in Looseland. Uh, she says, what time is or what time of year can you give uh, Janala, I think, uh, maple hedge a hard prune back? Janella maples. Uh, yeah, you want to basically want any time now, because as soon as basically they put on their leaves fully grown. OK, so that's usually after June the 15th or so. Uh, I, I like pruning my maples starting in, in uh, any time in July and August uh, because then you know it, you don't, you don't, if you get a late year, then you've always made sure the leaves come out completely. 
And so that's why anytime now you can start pruning maples and birches okay, uh, and, and pines, uh, spruce. Now is the time you can do any, t- any kind of pruning now. All right. Uh, this one coming from Carol in Southie. Uh, is it okay to cut your lawn in this extreme heat? Yeah, just make sure you don't cut your lawn too short, okay? Because this extreme heat, we you talked about, you know, how you can scorch your you know, reflection off the windows, even on your house right yeah. now, as you'll see the patches where it's really scorched. So leave your grass about two and a half inches long. It'll do way better. It won't dry out as quick. So bring your wheels up on your lawnmower a little bit, okay? Uh, it, your lawn will be healthier. So at least two and a half inches when it's this hot, at least that long. I keep mine out out here at, le- at three to three and a half inches long okay. uh, just because I don't water quite as much and uh, the, the lawn, does, the grass is way better. All right. Uh, and this one's probably going to be our last one before we head to news. Uh, this one coming from Jeanette in Regina. I was wondering how much I can cut back my lobelia um, in a flower pot. They are starting to brown a little bit. Yeah, lobelias, you can cut back whatever you want. Uh, they're they're fine. You can trim them back, and they'll start growing back again. So, uh, yeah, not a problem. Just uh, trim back whatever you need uh, to make them look good and start growing again. Just remember that to get them growing again, just watch your moisture in the lobelia. Don't there again. Don't let them go wet, dry. Keep them nice moisture. And also, this time of the year, they need some fertilizer. Okay, um, I lied. We can get to at least one more. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Liam in Kindersley. What's the best time to prune a branch on a birch so that it doesn't bleed? Yeah, so that was the same things that maple. Yeah. So now is any time now in uh, starting now in July. Uh, you could start a little bit earlier if you wanted to in June, but I like starting in July and going. You can prune right through to the end of September. So now is a great time to prune them. Perfect. And it's a little cooler today, so it might be your chance. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, this one coming from Bob in Saskatoon. My neighbor has told me he has an infestation of chinch bug in his lawn. Have you yes. heard of any other invasions and what can we do if they spread? Yeah, chinch bug. There was one invasion out in Prince Albert last year. I remember there was, I never, didn't hear of a chinch bug that often. All of a sudden, I'm hearing it more and more. Hmm. And so they're easy to get rid of again, just, uh, you can use some insecticidal soap if you want on them on your lawn. You can use ambush on the lawn, and it'll just take care of them right out. So they're they're not a hard one to get rid of, um, but um, but yeah, they're, I've never had that calls about cinch bug, but this the last two years now they've been seeing it, so they have been spreading. Hmm. So uh, something to maybe keep an eye on, I guess. Yep, absolutely. All right, we are going to take a quick break for news. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or a text. It's all the same phone number, 1-877-332-8255. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. Rick, we have a couple of callers waiting on the line for us, so we'll just uh, dive right in. First up is Ian in Saskatoon. Good morning, Ian. What's your question for Rick today? Hi, Rick. Good morning. Um, a couple of years ago, I called you about a spirea, and you uh, were nice enough to let me know what variety based off of being five feet tall. So um, I, I trimmed it back, and it, it did good for a year or two. And then this year, um, it has a big, like, it, it's uh, against the fence, so it looks like a D, you know, from the air. And there's yep. one big wedge that has nothing in it. And the rest of it was growing around, you know, kind of like um, 
a comb over, so to speak, and covering it. So yesterday I started trimming it back, and I realized I was getting back to wood with no greenery. So I'm not sure if what to do or if I even should be doing it right now. Well, Ian, it's funny because you sent me an email, so I'm actually looking at your pictures right now. <laughs> so, and and so, yeah. What I would do is that if if you just trimmed it back just recently, what'll happen is that is you can always just take your pruners and just scrape the bark on those little branches. If they're green underneath, they'll push out new growth this year yet. Okay. Okay. If they're if they're brown, uh, if you scrape the bark and they're brown underneath, then they're dead. So you can trim them right back, right back until you get to the main stems. Okay. And if, if they're that brown, then, then what you can do, you can leave it and let it fill in on its own. Or just like you had mentioned at the bottom of your email, do I trim it down to like 12 to 18 inches off the ground, you know? And you yeah. can. I, I wouldn't go that quite that low. I'd go about, you know, I'd go about two feet off the ground at least. And okay. they'll, they'll come back like crazy. But you do that when it's dormant in the fall, okay? Right. But if you just trim, finish trimming lately and you get back to the bare wood, that wood should be still alive, and if you, as long as you water and fertilize it right now, they'll push out new growth out of those stems. Okay. So before I decided to call you, I was actually Googling it, uh, spireas, and I found something along the lines of there's like a, a June-July um, flowering one and a July-August or something. So I'm yeah. a little confused. I don't know if you can tell in that one picture. I have the top part of it, of the spirea, has all the little you know flowerets, you know, Yep, and the yep. bottom part has new leaves, so I'm not sure which I have. Yeah, from what I, I'm looking at the height of that that plant, that spirea, and the, the the kind of flowers it has on it, it looks like what's called a bridal wreath or Van Hoote spirea, because it's a tall one. It's almost as high as the fence, basically. So yeah. from what I can see from your picture. So uh, so that one, I mean, this year is kind of weird. I mean, this year you're going to get plants that uh, because of the weather we had this last winter, they're going to bloom differently at the bottom and the top. And I, we have lots of issues with plants doing all those kind of things because of the uh, because of the weather we had this last winter. And so, and we also had a lot of death this last winter, uh, some plants. So um, normally this plant should be should be blooming in June. That's when it will bloom. And uh, and then toward toward the middle to the end of June, that's when it'll bloom the most. And so okay. this one here, you're just getting some. It's kind of it's kind of nice that you got some blooms that are still lasting so long, even at the top. So that works anyways. Yeah. Is it is a spirea like a lilac? You prune it after it's flowered, or do you is it a a spring or fall type thing? Well, this one, no, this one I like pruning it a bit, at least at least deadheading it a bit, so you don't get that brown look all summer long. And then they'll push on some new growth, especially you fertilize it. And then they'll be nice and green, and they'll bloom next year, all all that growth. That's not a problem. Okay. And I know it's one question per color, but a real quick question. Sure. My, yeah. green ash, my green ash has a gazillion seeds, those um, wing things. Can yeah. I just pick them off now instead of dealing with them in the fall? Absolutely. Now, if you have a zillion seeds, if, you have, if it's had more seeds than normal, it means that the tree is stressed, Okay. So you might want to water and give give it a good good deep watering, and sometimes using a deep watering means put the hose out there and let it dribble at the drip line of the tree, or using a, a Ross root feeder where you can put the water deeper, and also give it one shot of fertilizer right now too. This is the last uh, time of the year, uh, in the middle of uh, in July here, that you want to give it a shot of fertilizer at the drip line of the tree as well. So mix 20, in 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 or 30, 10, 10 or. 20, 28, 4, uh, 14, 12, whatever you have, 
and put it around the drip line of the tree, and then next year you won't get so many seeds. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Ian. All right, we have Scott waiting for us on the line uh, from Wilcox. Hi there, Scott. What's your question for Rick today? Hello. Hi. What's your question for Rick? Okay. A few years ago, my wife got a plant and uh, put it in our gazebo, and a mouse ate it and died. Oh. Now... I can't remember the name of the plant. Are there plants out there that mice will eat and die? Well, there's there's some plants you can put out there. Like I don't know how big of a space you said it's in the in the gazebo. You said right? Pardon? Is it in a pot or is it planted in the ground? Pot. In a pot. So um, plant. Plants that, that mice won't eat. Um, uh, there's marigolds. Mice won't eat like marigolds. You can put that in there. Uh, in fact, it, it actually will deter uh, from some, a lot of years a lot of different uh, rodents. So you can put that in there. Uh, but if you, you know, one thing you can do is probably that would be the best one is marigolds. Uh, then they won't even touch them at all. Um, but also, what you can do is you want you can put any plant you want. And just put a little bit of what's called a critter ritter, uh, sprinkle on the soil or in the in the pot, and those um, those mice won't come into that pot at all. Well, these mice, and she planted another another plant this year, and the same yeah, thing you, happened. You, and these so, mice just kind of just I don't know bloat. And die. Was that right? Hmm. I would suggest I would suggest putting some uh, a shoebox out there or something like that with a mouse trap with some peanut butter and some craisins or raisins on them, and you'll catch them like crazy and just bring the numbers down that you have around your yard. And that's what I would but suggest. Do you know just to, these, the name of those plants? No, like I said, I don't have a clue what you what you had planted there right now. So, but if you want a plant that that you can put in a pot and deter the mice, just put a marigold in there. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Bye. Bye now. Um, we have uh, just enough time to get to a text here. Uh, this one coming from Wanda in Saskatoon. My maple is too large to spray and aphids are a problem. We've increased watering. Tree is not fully leafed out and some leaves have started to curl and fall this week. How much trouble is it in and what can I do for it? So, yeah, um, water is the big thing, especially in this heat. And you have to water, remember, not at the trunk of the tree, at the water, at the drip line of the tree. Okay. That's so important. People always think of a big, especially in a big tree, they water right at the trunk. There's this great big humongous roots there. They're not, not the feeder roots. The feeder roots are at the drip line of the tree. So that's where you need to water. And the best thing to do is water that way is just when you water, just put the hose out there and just let it dribble so that you're doing a deep watering. Okay. Uh, watering your grass is not watering the tree. And so people have to remember that. Yeah. Because you're only watering a couple inches deep with your grass, but you know those those roots are a lot deeper. And uh, and and don't forget those big trees when it's this hot, 
You think how much we sweated out there oh, just yeah. walking around. <laughs> These trees are just transpiring like crazy. So make sure that you you have the water on them really well. And then you can also, like I said, blast water into the tree itself. That'll dislodge some of them. Okay. Uh, but but otherwise, um, remember every year you need to spray. You need to start spraying those trees when the leaves start first coming out. Because I always, always talk about the, the, the aphids lay eggs in the fall. And uh, they, in the spring, those eggs hatch as soon as the leaves, basically as soon as it's warm enough, when the leaves start budding, the eggs hatch and then they're, then they're, they're asexual, so they're, they're, they're basically born pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then all summer long, they give birth. They don't lay eggs again until the fall. So they give birth to, to pregnant aphids. So you imagine within weeks, you have multiple, multiple generations. Yeah. So, and then by this time of the summer, especially with the heat, uh, there's just, there's just, just going like literally, mad. <laughs> literally hundreds in a big tree, literally hundreds of thousands of them. Oh, wow. So uh, so you just want to make sure you keep on top of it and, and spray them earlier and just even blasting with cold water, spraying the sex out of soap, ambush, whatever. But like I said before, is that even putting little birdhouses out, putting bird baths out, uh, attracting the birds to your yard um, is huge to keeping the population of those aphids down. Uh, they just... Those birds just go crazy. They're just going all day long. They're just running from branch to branch, eating aphids. Like you can imagine the birds. <laughs> a buffet. Many, a buffet. How many aphids they got to eat to keep themselves, you know, uh, content and not hungry, right? So they yeah. eat lots. So perfect. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more garden talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, give us a call or a text. The phone number is the same, one 332 We'll head to the phones now. We have Joy in Estevan waiting for us. Good morning, Joy. What's your question for Rick today? Good morning. Um, we have these little little grasshoppers and they're attacking the leaves of, um, like, the potatoes and the beans, the different things in the garden. Plus, um, in my perennials, they're, they're on one plant there. They're on others, too, but I notice it on one more so where they're eating holes and everything. Yep. So just wondering, like, what can we do to get rid of these things? Yeah, just go in the, go in the evening when the bees have gone home and just spray some ambush. And that'll, yeah, that'll that'll get them, and that'll get contact on them, and that'll affect their nervous system, and that that'll take care of them. That's probably the one that'll work the best because they jump around so much, right? And at nighttime they'll settle down; they won't be jumping around so much. You know how you walk out there; they just want to—they basically take off on you right away, right? So, but you don't want to spray ambush during the day when the bees are in your garden. You want to do it in the evening, and uh, just just around dusk time when the bees are gone. And then if you spray it, then the, even the, uh, the grasshoppers have settled down. And they'll, once you spray them, they're done. They're finished. Okay. And, and you can get most, this, like, at PV Mart or wherever? Yeah. You can get it pretty much any place that has a garden, garden shop in it, and it's called Ambush. Okay. And just re- read the instructions because it'll save for different crops how many days before harvest, okay? Okay. So most, crop, most crops is one day before harvest. But there are a few crops that I'll say in the instructions, you might have to wait for three or four days before harvest, okay? So just read the instructions of what plants you're going to be spraying, and then go by the instructions. 
And and uh, will will these grasshoppers like you think they'll actually kill the plant? Uh, they'll eat them. They'll they'll because what right now grasshoppers get the worst when it's the hottest. So the years that you have really hot spells, like we are right now, that's when grasshoppers have their cycle just goes wild. And so I had a garden that they came in one time and they ate, they destroyed my whole garden. They ate everything. And so it was, it was brutal. And um, so it was because there was a lot of grassland around me. These came, these came from the grass in waves. And, uh, but if you just have a few, they're easy to take care of and just use an ambush and spray in the evening and you'll control them. No problem. Okay. Yeah. Cause they are in like, they're in the grass around us as well here. Yep. So you can just at the same so time just spray the grass more than one time. Yeah, or spray the grass the same time, right? And uh, but they will move in. They 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 don't grasshoppers don't stay put. They move around a lot. So uh, but just spray the garden, spray the grass, and uh, and then you'll take care of them that way. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Joy. Bye. All right. We are going to jump to Central Butte with Debbie. Good morning, Debbie. What's your question for Rick today? Okay, I just bought a combination apple tree last weekend, and the the tips of the one branch, the leaves are turning yellow. Yeah, they're turning yellow. That means they're they're stressed from from the heat. Now, one thing you got to remember when you plant a brand new plant, okay? Yep. When you stick it in the ground and then you, you, you dig your hole nice and big and you put some nice topsoil around it and then you give it a good watering. Now, with this type of heat, the roots won't be out into that topsoil yet, okay? Okay. So every, day, every day you need to water right beside the trunk slowly, but only enough water to water the pot. I don't want to make the soil more wet or I don't want to fill the hole up from the bottom up, okay? I okay. just want to water right at the trunk. Enough water, so like let's say most combination apples come in like I say it's basically what I, it's almost the size of a five gallon pail. Okay, that's okay. what the, that's what the water. So if you put about four gallons of water, okay, right at the trunk of the tree and let it dribble in slowly so that you're not getting the, um, the soil wet around it. So I'm not saturating the soil more, just the root ball, because though all those leaves in this kind of heat we've had, especially this last week. The, the 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 plant was potted into a a bark um, peat moss compost mix. Okay, so yeah. and this and the, you put nice topsoil all around it. Well, those leaves they suck all the moisture out of that compost mix really quickly. At okay. the garden center, we, when we at the garden center when we have them on pots on top of the ground, we're watering them almost twice a day to keep them moist. Okay, yeah. So now when you're sticking them in the ground, it's not much different than sitting above ground. Uh, because the roots are just com- contained in that pot yet. So just water water once in the really hot day. You might have to water twice a day, Just but dribble slowly. Don't pour it in one big pour. Dribble slowly so it soaks into that pot uh, about four gallons of water uh, some, in a really, really hot day, twice a day, but if it's not a hot day, just once a day. Okay? Okay. And that would be the reason why you're turning yellow for it. It's just you're starting to get, you're starting to get toasty. Okay, yeah, it's been really hot here, so yeah. it, I was doing it like once every two days, but I will do it every day. Yeah, every every day, but just like I said, make sure, also get a piece of rebar, okay? Right. 
and uh, and poke down in the topsoil down to the bottom of the hole just to make sure that you're not filling the hole the bottom of the hole up with water at the very bottom at the bottom of the planting hole okay okay and you, you can only way only way you're going to check that is with a piece of rebar because you can't see the bottom of the planting hole obviously from the top so or even stick your finger in so every once in a while stick it in so that you make sure you're not over watering it because that could okay. be an issue too okay okay thank Good. you so much thanks debbie you're welcome bye-bye bye now we're going to take a quick break for news. If you're still on hold, wait for us. We'll get back to you uh, just after the break. If you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text at one 332 8255 This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.